With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Quarterback. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is being brought to you by Bet Online. Make sure to check out Bet Online AG and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So a bunch of things have happened in the last few days. I think everybody's aware of that, both in the real world and then in the world of the Lions and the NFL. Before we get into the Lions and into free agency and our interview in this episode with upcoming Detroit Lions free agent Kenny Wiggins, just a couple of other things to say. Just a reminder that this week we'll be recording short daily podcasts every day this week for turnaround the following morning, covering whatever happened with the Lions or the league itself each day. So you'll have that coming to you starting Monday for Tuesday, since this podcast is coming out on Monday. It's happening because the league year is, at least as of this recording Sunday in the late afternoon, expected to go on as scheduled. If this changes, of course, then our schedule will change as well. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go without some alterations, of course, like how will players travel for physicals and would those players even feel comfortable traveling for said physicals? And maybe it's just me, but there feels like a much more somber tone around the start of the new league year this year as the coronavirus has become a state of emergency in the United States. Also, you might remember a few weeks ago, Chris Durham was on our show from Parma, Italy. And at that time, they were dealing with the beginnings of the coronavirus. Durham, as of a couple of days ago, is still in Italy and still under quarantine. He has told me that he is fine, and he praised the nonstop efforts of the healthcare workers there. I'll continue to check in with Chris, and we'll update things as I can from there on future podcast episodes. But he made clear to me that he is feeling fine and symptom-free just under quarantine, like much of the rest of the area of the country that he is in. So please, as you listen to this podcast, as you practice social distancing and prepare to deal with COVID-19, please be safe and please be smart. Now, before we get to our interview with Kenny Wiggins, that there's a, along with that interview, there's a story that's going to be on ESPN.com this morning that you'll hear a lot about during the interview itself, a quick note on a couple of pieces of Lions news over the last couple of days. And as of now, none of that has to deal with Darius Slay. As of 6 o'clock on Sunday evening, Darius Slay is still a member of the Lions. But that's going to be something to watch. The moves to re-sign Dom Muehlbach and release Rick Wagner were, were not surprising. Signing Muehlbach for year 17 in Detroit was always going to happen as long as Muehlbach wanted to play. He's going to have competition this year from James Fisher, a futures contract signee. And at this point in his career, in Muehlbach's career, Detroit is smart to do that. I would say Muehlbach is the favorite to win the job because Muehlbach's always the favorite to win the job. But if Fisher shows competency, don't be surprised if Fisher ends up being the long-term future at the position. Because Dom Muehlbach is in his late 30s and at some point they need to look for the future, even if the present is still around. Then there's Rick Wagner. 
He played okay for the Lions for the first three years of his deal. He gave Detroit a decent player at right tackle. But at $11.9 million next year, the Lions could use the $6-plus million that they're getting from releasing him to sign someone else, whether that's going to be thrown into a pool for a higher-level guard, perhaps. Maybe this is where Joe Thune ends up in play now. Or maybe they pick up two players who are starter-level that can fill holes that they have. And don't sleep, by the way, on Tyrell Crosby filling in for Rick, Ra- Rick Wagner at right tackle. Crosby performed well in limited work last year at left tackle, at right tackle, and as the swing tackle. He's a player I think that could thrive with more snaps. So yeah, getting rid of Wagner creates another hole. You're getting rid of a player that did an admirable job. But it's also possible that hole is filled by somebody else on the roster, Crosby, or from a combination of Crosby and a draft pick from a pretty decent offensive tackle class that I'm sure we'll go over in April as we start to look at the draft. We'll be right back after this break with a fun interview with Kenny Wiggins that was recorded last week where we get into what it's like to be a free agent, which he's experienced a few times, his long and winding career featuring double-digit transactions, what new fatherhood is like as he became a dad this offseason, and his big-time hobby, Mr. Mediocre Woodworking. I'd like to welcome my guest to today's show, he has played offensive line for the Detroit Lions for the past couple of years. Before that, he was with the Chargers. He played college football at Fresno State. He is Kenny Wiggins. Kenny, welcome to the Michael Rothstein Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And let's just jump right into this. How's your offseason, man? Like, you get a couple months away from, like, me and from football. <laughs> yeah, especially getting away from you. That's good. Don't just see your face every day in the locker room, but um, no, it's been it's been good. Um, uh, we had a nice addition to our family, had a little baby boy, and um, just getting some downtime and getting some time to relax, spend with the family. You you mentioned obviously your new son. What is fatherhood like for you? Because obviously you've never experienced this before. How's it been? It's been pretty easy. I mean, um, he's a pretty chill baby. Uh, he actually uh, had to have surgery uh, last week, and he's kind of recovering from that. So he's just a little beast already, and he's been he's been pretty chill, sleeping a lot, eating a lot, and pooping a lot. So that's about all they do right now. When so when you're kind of going and going through that, the first couple of weeks of fatherhood, like what's the biggest surprise? And I'm not a dad; I have no kids. Like, what's the biggest surprise that you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that at all. Um, just the, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I kind of knew that they were just going to eat and sleep and, and poop all day. So I wasn't really, I haven't been really surprised that much. I think it'll be more surprised when it gets down later and later in the road when it's like, all right, now they, they can't drink water or whatever. Like, I guess that was a big surprise. I didn't know babies couldn't drink water. So, I mean, it's, yeah. So, uh, there's one of them but uh yeah when it gets further down the road when it's time to like start feeding them real food and do all that stuff is is going to be eye-opening for me so all right i gotta ask did you try to give your child water and no okay (laughs) nope i did not i did not my wife was like i was like can we just like give him some water and she was like no you can't give babies water and i'm like okay didn't know that 
Yeah, that's a new one by me. I've already learned something and we are like two minutes into this podcast. So like, I feel like that is a good sign for the rest of the show. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. When, so when you're going through those first couple weeks, Father, like how much are you sleeping? Like do you and your wife, Jennifer, have like shifts that you've set up? Or because it's the off season, are you like, I'm taking all of them because let's be real, in a few months, you're not going to be around as much. Yeah, no, uh, we, we, we kind of got a little some shifts going on, so it's pretty good. Um, I'll take like, um, she'll take like the 10 and the 12 a.m. area, and then I'll get everything after like 1 a.m. to time to get up. So I usually get up around like 2 to 3 and then like 5 to 6, and then I'm up for the day. So it's pretty, it, it works pretty out pretty well. She gets to sleep in a little bit. You obviously mentioned it a little bit at the top. Uh, you know, your your son had surgery. Like, so by the time this air, by the time this runs, it'll be, I guess, what, two weeks ago now. If you just want to explain, because you've been somewhat open about it on at least Instagram, yeah. like what's what's going on with with your son? Yeah, he was just he was born with a cleft lip. I mean, it's uh, after going through or cleft lip and palate after kind of going through this whole thing. Uh, um, you know, my wife kind of realized it's more common than, than we originally thought. I mean, it's one in every 600, 700 kids that are born with a cleft lip. And it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's not an easy repair, but, um, it's a, it's a cosmetic thing. So it's, luckily it's not like his lungs, his heart or his brain or whatever that we have to go in and repair. It's kind of more of a outside of the, the inside of his body. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, a routine procedure and he had his his lip and his nose done um last week and he's just recovering from that and then he's going to have a couple more surgeries down the road um he'll do his palate at a year and then uh we'll go from there so yeah he's 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 doing really well he's he's eating he's eating well he's putting on weight fast so hopefully you can get him big fast I was gonna say the genes are clearly there. You're you're not a small man. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was kind of shocked. He was only he was only six pounds twelve ounces when he was born. So I was I was at a little bit of a shock. I was like, I didn't think I was gonna have a six pound baby. But like um, you, you thought he'd be heavier, or you thought oh, he'd yeah. be lighter? Oh, okay. I was a ten pound baby, and my wife was a nine pound baby. So having a six pound baby between us, it it was pretty uh it was pretty uh shocking. So you weighed, no joke, and, and this is maybe something I haven't talked about very often. I don't, I've never told you this, I know. Like, you literally weighed five times what I weighed at birth. Oh, really? You were, uh, yeah. You were a oh, yeah, I was two. Yeah, I was 211. I was two oh, months wow. early. Yeah, I, I, was, I was eight weeks early, the whole deal. Like, had to be in, like, the NICU, the whole, whole situation. So when you say 10 pounds, I don't know if I was 10 pounds until I was, like, a month and a half old. Well, yeah, he's not even, he's not even there yet. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's about, he's about to be yeah, he's six weeks today, so he's a month and a half today and he, he's not even ten pounds yet. And I'm just like he probably would be over ten. He's he's almost there. But uh yeah. yeah, he's he's he probably would have been there if we didn't have to do surgery or whatever, but he's 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 growing. So what was it like in the delivery room for you? I mean obviously again, that's something I've ever experienced. That's something that you didn't experience until two months, a month and a half ago. What was you were able to be there because season was over, thankfully. Yep. So what was what was that like? Um, it was it was surreal. I mean, we we had a planned C section, 
um, for other reasons and just going in there and, and just knowing that like our family's going to, or our lives are going to change instantly. Once he gets here, it was pretty amazing. Um, I kind of got a little, I got a little like half hour, just me and him by ourselves once they're finished finishing up with my wife. And then when they wheeled her into our room, that was, that was like the best time ever just getting to hand, hand him to her. And then kind of that was our family. And it was, it was really cool. It was a good, it was a special moment for me. So that half hour you got solo, does it immediately like, what's, are you like overcome with emotion? Are you like, all right, I'm going to start like teaching you blocking concepts. Like what's up? The, you can pick a cooler position than offensive line. Uh, maybe get a, maybe, maybe let him, uh, let maybe let him throw the ball a little bit or catch it. But, uh, um, or just, or just be a pitcher and, or a golfer. Cause there's where the real money's at. Oh yeah. There's no doubt there, especially, especially golf these days. If you can get, oh, there. Yeah. obviously you've got, you can be a golf pro and, and do all that too. Uh, one thing oh, that yeah. really quick we should probably address because you know, you're trying to have to hold your kid. How is your biceps? Pretty good. Yeah. I just hit three months today from post-surgery. So that's kind of like the big milestone you want to get to before you can start loading it and stuff. So it, it feels really well. I mean, it's, it's, it's felt this way for, about a month, say it's felt pretty good. I have full range of motion and everything. So hopefully uh, get it back strong again and be ready for the season. So have they given you a timetable? Do you have some sort of timeline where they're like, yeah, you know, you're probably not going to be ready until training camp or. Um, they don't know. They don't want to give me any, get my hopes up or anything where there could be a setback or whatever. So they're just kind of playing it by ear and, and seeing if, uh, and seeing if, how how it heals and how I react to everything, but I mean, any, any I've I talked to buddies that have had the surgery and everything, and they said anywhere from four to six months, so right in that range. Has it limited you as far as like taking care of of your son at all, or have you milked that in any way? <laughs> no, I definitely have not milked it. Um, uh, I kind of got it. I, I kind of got a little. A, uh, a little technique where I can kind of scoop them up with my right hand and just use my left as like a support. So I can, I can pretty much palm them in my hand or still. So it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> so the other thing, and you can go to ESPN.com a little bit later today, or by the time you're listening to this podcast today and, and read this story about Kenny and his other off season hobby besides being a dad, which is woodworking. Kenny, how did you get into to woodworking? It's explained a little bit in the story, but why don't for the listeners explain kind of how all of this happened? Um, I mean, I've always kind of had a, a little passion for it. Um, always like to do things, build things with my hands and, 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 and build something out of nothing. So, I mean, just uh, kind of always had it. I, one, of my grand, one of my mom's grandfathers was a carpenter, so I guess it's kind of in my blood. So, uh, yeah, I just kind of always had it. And once I got to a, a place where I could have some tools and, and have a little shop in my, at my house, um, just kind of went all out and now I'm in it deep. How deep in are you at this point? Just for those <laughs> who haven't read the too, story not, yet. Not too deep, but, um, it's, it's, it's fun. I, it's kind of just, a get my get my mind away from everything and just go out there and and just and just work on work in my shop and 
build things that I don't have to pay for and make my wife happy. That's basically all I do it for. So now that your biceps, I know that was something you couldn't really do over the first couple of months of the off season because of the biceps. I believe you're able to get back in the shop now. What are you, what's the first off season project that you're working on now that you can kind of do things again? Uh, I'm building these little, little like bookshelves for, for, uh, my son's room and then I'm going to build him a toy chest also. So that'll be, that'll be kind of cool. I'm in the starting phases of those right now. I just got the bookshelves done today actually. And then, um, I will, I will, uh, be starting on the toy chest here soon. Is that, how long does, uh, like a bookshelf take? How long does a toy chest, I know you haven't done the toy chest yet, but like how long does the toy chest take? Um, it depends. It, it just depends on how much time I have. It's like, if it was working like a normal job, I could probably knock it out in a day or two. But now I, I have a kid to take care of. And I still have to train, I still have to do all that stuff. So I, I try to get out there as much as I can. But also it's when I get home from working out and everything, it's also time to spill the wife from uh, baby duties. <laughs> so I so who knows how long it's going to take, but, um, the shelves didn't take that long. They're just like little, it's not like a whole bookshelf. It's like a bookshelf. Okay. So it's not very much. It's, it's like the pottery barn ones that you see online that I just kind of made a little replica of those. So you obviously mentioned pottery barn. You're not selling anything, at least not yet. What's the name? Not, of, I know you have a company name though. <laughs> it's not a company yet, but hopefully, hopefully one day I can kind of, I can make some, make some pieces for people and then, uh, take my time with them and make sure that I can have fun with it and not turn it into like a real, real job. But, uh, okay. it's called Mr. Mediocre. And that's kind of just a ode to my, my football career and everything. So it's pretty, it's, it's kind of like my, my MO. So. I've had a 10 year, I've had a 10 year career and, and some people say that I'm just a mediocre player, but a 10 year NFL career is not mediocre. So it's kind of a play on what people think about me and play on my career. So are you using it as kind of like a, Hey, listen, screw you. Look what I did. Or is it kind of a, Hey, I'm, you might think I'm mediocre in this, but I'm not mediocre in that. Or am I making too much of this at this point? Or um, no, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people think I'm, if, I don't know who, but a lot of people say I've in my past has said I've been mediocre at best and then stuck around for 10 years, which is, which is pretty remarkable. So has anyone actually said that to your face? No, but, um, there's been other, there's been, there's been other comments that I'll, I'll refrain from saying that uh that have initiated those thoughts in my head when did that first start kind of coming to be like when does that come up for you where you're like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna call my i'm gonna label all of my woodworking with this and like i'm gonna like jokingly call myself this like when does that actually like take shape um so i've always talked about maybe uh writing a book or or uh doing something like that for kind of telling my story um, cause a lot of people always say, once I tell them like all the stuff that I've been through and all the, how many times I've been cut and all that stuff, they always say, Oh, you should write a book. Just 
tell your story. So I always, I always said if I did, that would, that's what I would call it, would be Mr. Mediocre. So like you mentioned, you're about to embark on your 10th year. And yep. you're going into free agency again, potentially, although let's be clear, this podcast is running on Monday. We're talking the Tuesday before. There's five days between now and then, and who knows what can happen as far as like whether the Lions resign you. But what's that? What are you anticipating as far as free agency, or has the biceps kind of changed that in some ways? Yeah, I mean, uh, you never know. Um, you can't. I've I've learned a lot of things in this in this league, and one of them is you can't you can't make plans. So you never know what's going to happen, and it's just I'll just take the day as it comes. And if the, if if my career is over, then it's over. Um, I've outlived my football life by a long shot, so I'm uh, I'm happy with it, whatever comes my way, and I'm ready. I'm still ready to play. Yeah, I was gonna say just to be clear, like you want to play this year, correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've been training. I've been training with all these young these young cats out here in Fresno. I'm like I'm like six years older than all of them, and it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. What is that like? I mean, who and who are you training with? Um, well, Chuck Washington's out here. Okay. Um, uh, receiver from, uh, Arizona, Keyshawn Johnson, a couple kids that are training for pro days, uh, Tyler Bray, a quarterback for the bears. So it's just, it's, it's just funny that I'm just this old 31 year old and these, these young guys are, I'm trying to keep up with all these young guys. Has that actually been a little bit of a struggle? Like, do they give you – because, again, you're a lineman and they're not. Like, do they give you kind of crap and be like, hey, keep up, old man, or um, – Not really. I mean, I kind of go in there and do my own thing. But uh, I'm the one that gives them the craps because I just – that's who I am, and I just talk shit to everybody. <laughs> so when you – like, what what are you saying to them? Like, are you just kind of, like, needling them? Or are you kind of, like – what what are you saying? Just just calling them just calling them all small and little and everything and and uh, just making sure that they know that I'm their elder and that they need to respect me. <laughs> <laughs> does I mean Chuck? Obviously, you played with him a little bit. Like, does, is he just like looking at you, being like, "Are you serious right now?" Or <laughs> no, nah, he. He, it's it's fun to mess with Chuck. Um, I've I've had a good relationship with him over the last couple of years. I mean, I've known him since Fresno. Uh, we didn't ever play together, but I've I knew him around and everything. But uh, yeah, he's he's a good kid. He's 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 fun to mess with. So you've been through free agency a few times, though, in, in your career. What for people who don't understand, and I don't think really anyone totally gets it. What is free agency actually like for? a non-star, a guy who's not, you know, who's not a star, who's been through it, like who's only, you know, been a starter for part of his career. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely tough. Um, every time going into the free agency, you always have that, that thing in the back of your mind saying that this could be it. And is that all right with you? Or like, I had to make sure I was, I was good with this being the end of, of football because if it is, then it is. If it's not, I'm, I'm super ready to keep playing. But yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Um, I've I've had I've had both ends of it. I've come off uh, come off free agency as being starting all sixteen games, and then that's when I went to Detroit, and and that was great. Hopefully, like something like that happens again. But if not, um, we'll see. We're just gonna roll with the punches and 
and hopefully I can stick on somewhere and hopefully I'm back in Detroit and that'd be great. Is that is it more of a stressful thing earlier in your career than maybe now or is it more stressful now because you are older and like you said, you know, you don't know if there will be interest. Uh, it's a different kind of stress, I think. It's um, I've played in this league. I've, I've, I don't have anything else to prove. I don't like winning, winning a Super Bowl ring. I'm going to do anything. It's going to sit in my, in my safe in my house forever. You know, like I, I, don't, I don't need a ring to be successful, like to think I had a successful career. Wait, does that take time to reconcile and kind of say, okay, yeah, like I'm okay with that? Because, I mean, obviously as a young player, everyone wants a ring. Um, I don't think so because I have, I have like bowl rings and stuff like that and I've never even put them on my finger. Like, so it's, it's, I've, I've been to a Super Bowl, didn't win a Super Bowl, but I, I've been there. But um, so I don't think I would be missing out on anything. I've, I've definitely got what I've wanted out of, out of my career and anything else from here on out is, is just extra and, and will just be like a cherry on top. So provided you don't re-sign with Detroit by the time this airs, like you're not going to be like sitting by the phone this week, like looking at it being like, come on, agent, call me. Like that's not where you're at in your career. Definitely not. Definitely not. I probably will be taking care of a baby or possibly woodworking. It, were you ever like that? Was like that at the beginning of your career where you'd be like, kind of like, all right, it's free agency. I don't really know what's going to happen because like you said, there's you know more uncertainty and you don't necessarily, you didn't have the experience then. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, 2014 when I was for the whole year, I would watch games and then go on the injury forts for each team and, and check and see who got hurt. And then they called my agent and be like, hey, call Atlanta. They had a, they had a guard go down. Uh, call them and see if they want me every single week and that just that's just how the that's just how the business is but uh yeah I don't know I don't think I'll be doing that this 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 time around what's that like you said you're out for a year and you're doing like that's does that feel weird because you know when you're in the league there's probably guys who are doing that same exact thing to you being like oh I remember looking at 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 guys that kind of were like the guys who were trying to keep the dream alive and and going to three or four pro days after their after their their initial pro day and I'm just like man I hope I'm never that guy and I ended up being one of those guys I never went through any other pro days or anything but it, it was just like man like some people got to know when to call it quits and luckily I didn't because I ended up turning into a pretty uh pretty big career what what was it like that one year like I mean like maybe give people a little bit more of an idea of like what that like that feels like every year because I'm assuming you're still working out like during the week right oh yeah I worked out I worked out five days a week ran all by myself and then would just go home and watch games on Sunday and it was it was it was it was hard um luckily like my wife my life my wife was working so she was kind of the breadwinner that for that that year um so it was it was it was definitely a hard transition. That was the first year of, of us being married. So she's like, "Oh, this is what this is what marriage is going to be like. I'm going to be working. You're just going to be home working out and doing nothing." So it was definitely a um, definitely a first a hard first year of marriage, but we got through it and stuck it out. And it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely it was definitely worth it. At, at that point, when you because that was what 
2013, right? Uh, that was 2014. Oh, 2014. Okay, sorry. About that. Yeah. So, all right. So, 2000. That, that's 2014, and you're doing that. Was were you were you kind of thinking maybe that's it at that point? Where you're just like, yeah, well, I, was, I played a couple I was, years. I was about a week away from uh, going down to USC to be a, a GA to really? be a, start coaching. Wow. And then I got a call from my O-line coach at the Chargers at the time, and he said, stay in shape, stay in shape. We're going we're gonna to bring you back. We're going to bring you back. And that was like week 12. And so they ended up bringing me back week 17. Did, so did you actually, like, apply for grad school at that point? Was it that much? No, it was, I, was going down to, I was going down to talk to them about, about doing it. So I was just like, all right, this is it. I'm going to get in the coaching world. And, and, and then thank goodness he called because I definitely do not want to be a coach anymore. <laughs> at, that time, did you, is that, at that time, did you want to do that? Or was that kind of like, hey, I'm just going to do this and transition and, and, and figure it out? Um, it was kind of just like, uh, I've always, always enjoyed coaching. I always enjoyed doing the, the football side of stuff. Um, so I kind of just, that was kind of like stuff into what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get rid of football. I, I wasn't ready for that, but, um, yeah. So I just said, you know what, I might as well just try this coaching thing. And if I like it, then we'll stick it out. And then if not, I'll try something else. <laughs> So just so people know, obviously, besides your non-foray into coaching and the woodworking, that's not a business. You did have a clothing company for like a second, right? Yeah, that was just uh, high school, high school friends did. And it was just, uh, um, just something we did to the past time. And, and it was just a fun experience starting our own little business and, and selling stuff and having a few events and everything. It was, it was fun. That is, now I apologize for not knowing this. Is that still going on, or is that now being kind of permanent? It is on the it is on the back burner, but um, it is not currently going on. Okay. Um, we're trying to. He's he just ended up just quitting his job, so he's trying to uh, get it back started up again. So hopefully, within the next year or so, we'll get it back going good. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still some mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the election, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, something I used to go to yearly when I lived in New York. It's a really, really fun thing to do. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. So you obviously did some business stuff. By the time this comes out, CBA will have already been passed or failed. Just kind of curious what your take is on it, is on it as kind of that player who's living in the middle class where it's not a min, but you're obviously not, you know, you're not making Stafford money. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it definitely helps the, the, the middle class guy for sure. Uh, and I like the, um, 
the extra alignment during game day also. That's, that, that helps big time. But, um, you know, there's, there's other things that are taken into consideration. 17 games is a lot. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. I, I, could, see, I could see it going either way, honestly. Um, we just I, – I, my big thing would be health care for, for a long time because we put our, our bodies and our, our brains on the line for, for these organizations. And I think health care for the rest of our lives should be, should be uh, one of those things that we – that we get because I mean a lot of other sports get them and it's 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 and we're the we get injured the most I would say out of any sport is that something that I don't know how active you are with the PA and and how much you've paid attention you end up paying attention to that versus not because some players do some players don't have you voiced that have you been vocal about that especially after it came out not really um I just kind of just decided to do like to myself and, and just kind of how I would vote for for the president of the United States. Uh, that's I just kind of keep it to myself, politics basically, and don't want to hear anybody else's opinion or um, be be influenced by anybody else's opinion. So going back to the beginning for you, like the very very beginning, how did you actually get started playing football? Um, so I could never play high. I, I didn't play until my until high school, my freshman year because I was always too big. Um, the only time I could have played, I was eight years old, and I would have to play with the eighth graders. So it was uh, – that my mom was not letting that happen. But I had an <laughs> older brother, and he played, and my dad coached uh, his uh, peewee team. So I was always out there, like, at practice, just hanging out with the, the older kids and, and playing around. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't start playing until my freshman year. So, like – how big were you at eight years old where you would have had to play with eighth graders? Like, I'm just kind was, of imagining that. I was like a hundred, hundred and like 35 pounds, I think. Whoa. Yeah. I was, a, I was, pretty, I was a pretty chunky kid. Were you tall at that point too? Yeah. Like I, where, I was always, just, I was always just big. I was never like super fat or super, super tall, but I was always just a big kid. So when you start playing as a freshman, like, is there, is there like pent up, like, oh man, I've been waiting to do this for so long. Or are you like kind of putting your toe in, in it? Because like you've obviously I'm assuming played other sports before that. Yeah, definitely not putting my toe in it. I definitely dove straight in and, and loved it right, right away. Um, I mean, whether it was like just playing in the street or at the park or whatever, I was always playing football. I just never played football with pads on, you know, it was just, I was always tackling me and my brother were always tackling each other, doing all that stuff. So it wasn't it wasn't anything um, I was new to, I should say. So, so when you're doing that, I mean, do you know kind of going in like because you've been playing in the parks and stuff like that that you were pretty good, or did you not have any idea? I had no idea. I mean, I, I remember going to practices and stuff and, and being pretty decent at, at at the high school level, but then. Uh, Definitely, definitely was a, a little nervous for my first couple of games. I just didn't know how I was. So I was, I was supposed to be this big, uh, this big kid who was supposed to be the, like really good and all that stuff, and didn't really know if it was going to happen. But uh, luckily, it it kind of worked out. How how did those first couple of games go? Um, I think they went all right. I don't. I have to go back and look at the film, but. Uh, <laughs> 
was that was a lot of that was a lot of games ago. Yeah. Oh, I, I just wasn't sure whether that was like one that that like stuck out to you because like you you had your start a lot later or at least a little bit later than a lot of of guys who end up making the league. But yeah, I don't. I don't it does, nothing sticks out to me. Okay. So when so when do you realize you might be able to go to college to play like to and go play um, at Fresno and. So my junior year, I didn't even start on offense because we had we had a. I played tackle in college or in high school, and we had a um, a kid who ended up going to Stanford on a full ride for football, and then we had this other like three hundred pound Samoan kid who was just a monster, and I didn't I did not play the so I played defense my junior year, and then um, my uh, my my high school coach always always had like a bunch of faith in me. We had we had a pretty good we had a pretty good high school team. We had at least two or three guys go D one every year. So um, he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, you could play football in college if you want to, if you want to really dive into it and, and do it. And I said, well, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be a, a defensive end at a big old white defensive end. And he's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put you on offense uh, your senior year. So um, I want you to go to the this Fresno State camp and, and get better at offense. So I'm like, okay, okay. go to the Fresno State camp. Um, it's one of the full padded. I don't think they can do that, do it anymore. But the the full padded, like full contact camps, and I just was just whooping everybody's ass, and they offered me right on the spot. So it was pretty. It was pretty cool without even without even knowing who I was or whatever. Or they just they just offered me right there. So did they offer you without ever seeing you play offense in a game? Um. I played one game of offense my junior year, and that was it. And they offered me for to be offense tackle. Yes. Are were you just like, are you sure? <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I played I played D line in, in my junior year, so I kind of played like a little a stand up D end, and would just jam the tight end and and let him, and then go rush the quarterback. But um, it was uh, yeah, I definitely uh, definitely was a big surprise when. Coach Hill pulled up on his up on his uh, golf cart and told me to get in. He wanted to go talk to me, and I was like, "All right." And then, uh, yeah, he pulled me into his office and offered me right there. So, so okay, so this happens. Like, then you go to back to high school for your senior year. Like, do you com- do you say I'm going to Fresno on the spot? Like, do other teams start poking around once they see you play? No, he he told me. Um, he told me he did not want me to commit. He wanted me to enjoy my senior year and not. Um, and he's like, I want you to enjoy the process. This is a fun process. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up getting a couple more offers from like Reno, Nevada, um, UNLV, Sac State, and then Arizona State came in late. Uh, the day actually, the day I committed to Fresno, Arizona State called and offered me, and said they had they had four other guys commit other places so they're going to offer me. And I said, no, no, thank you. I'll go where I'm number one. Was, was that a difficult thing to do? Because I mean, obviously that's PAC 12 or, you know, that's different level, theoretically different levels of football. Like, or were you just like, you know what? I don't want to be the fifth choice anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, at the time it was, uh, remember when, uh, uh, Bush at SC, they played Fresno and Fresno almost beat them. Yeah. That was the week after that game I committed. Oh, so you, 
So you were like, okay, they're building something here. Like, yep, I was like, they'll be in, they'll be in the pack, they'll be in the pack ten, pack twelve, or whatever. That was pack ten back then. They'll yeah. be in the pack ten when, when by the time I'm, I'm done, leave, I'm done playing there. You actually, I mean, obviously that never happened. Um, no. <laughs> like, was it just? Did you actually think that would happen, or was that more of just say they can? When you're saying that, you think that they could compete with those teams on a regular basis, which Fresno did for a long time. Yeah, we yeah for sure we uh, we competed with with bunch of bunch of we I mean, we played SEC schools we played we played big tw- big ten big twelve ACC teams and we competed with all of them so I'm not I'm I I love I love going to Fresno my junior year we were the the leading rush we had a leading rusher in the nation with Ryan Matthews um who was first rounder to the to the Chargers and played in Philly for a little bit. But uh, yeah, we I had I had a great time. Great, made great football football sense for me to go to a place like Fresno. So you go to Fresno. When do you realize you might be an NFL player? Um, I didn't really, because again, I was kind of a late bloomer, and I didn't I didn't play until my junior year at Fresno either. Um, so I kind of was just like, I was the one of the guys that were just I had some older tackles in front of me and wasn't getting much playing time and they were super healthy. So I never really, I really never really sniffed the field until my junior year. And, um, I, I never thought I was going to be able to make it to the, to the league. I thought I was just going to be a solid, uh, solid college player and, and all that's, and my O-line or my head coach said, if you want to, if you want to play in the, in the league on Sunday, you, you can do it. Just, you just got to keep, doing what you're doing and I said really and he's like yeah oh yes he's like you remind me a lot of uh, a guy named Chris Denman who was a Fresno State offense lineman who was kind of undersized I was I wasn't undersized but he ended up getting drafted in seventh round by the by the by the Bucks and he was like you can you can do this if you want so I kind of took that to heart and started working my tail off and and um, finally got an opportunity after after my senior season did you believe that at the time? Did you think that, that Pat Hill believed that? Or was it more of a motivational thing, maybe to keep you engaged since you hadn't played for a couple um, years? Like- I, never, I, never had to, the, I never had to be motivated to stay engaged. It was more of, more of me having confidence in my ability than anything. Um, I, 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 when, when Coach Hill has confidence in me, then that just boosts my confidence even more. And it was kind of just like a little jolt that I needed to – Say okay, maybe I can do this, and let's 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 give it a real shot because you only get you only get one. Yeah. So you go okay. So senior year goes, and then you go undrafted. Did you think you might get drafted, or did you kind of know? Like, what was draft weekend like for you? Um, I was projected. I was projected anywhere from the fourth to the seventh, and then um, like week eight of my senior season, I tore my shoulder, so <clears throat> I had to get shoulder surgery coming out of college. And I never, I didn't do a pro day. I didn't do a combine. I didn't do any of the all-star games. I was in a sling for my pro day. And uh, I thought, I, I thought that was it too. And um, Coach Hill once again told me that he's like, you're going to have people that are going to want you at least for a free agent. He's like, he, he didn't think I was going to get drafted either. Uh, I was just hoping maybe somebody would take a chance on me and, uh, and, but, but uh, nobody did. And, Draft day kind of sucked. My mom had a party because she thought I was going to get drafted, and I didn't. And that was, it was, uh, it was not, it was not a good day for me. 
Oh man, that like what? What do you uh, do? You leave the house at some point, or like are you um, stuck there because like your mom threw the party? It wasn't really a party. It was more of like a little get together. I had like a few friends. I had a few friends that came uh, down and and uh, were were hanging out with me, and then um, and then she had some of her friends come over, and it was just it was just kind of like I didn't want to let them down, and uh and not get drafted i mean I, my phone rang like four times and every time it rang my mom just starts crying instantly and I'm like nope it's not the call so i mean it, it was tough um i just i went into it knowing that there was definitely a good chance that i wasn't going to get drafted and and it was tough because it was also the lockout year so i i couldn't even sign as a free agent that day either so i couldn't even celebrate anything and oh, uh, yeah yeah, it was, it sucked. So at what point, like, do you know, even though you can't sign, do you know that you have like free agent deals like on the back end or do you not um, know for a while? I didn't know for sure. And I mean, you know how this league is like they they can tell you one thing and do the exact opposite. Um, yeah. I mean the, the 49ers, the, actually the 49ers told me they were going to draft me in the seventh round and they ended up drafting another offensive lineman. Um, they called me and told me they were going to draft me. And then they're like, stay ready. We're going to draft a safety. And then you, we got two picks and then they drafted the safety. And the next pick, it was, uh, another guy from another, uh, kid that, uh, who's actually still, he's actually got signed back with the 49ers a couple years ago, Mike person. So it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, but I thought it was going to be me and it wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was tough, but they told me they, they told me that they wanted to bring me in as a free agent. I was just saying, obviously that's, you know, that's your hometown ish, yeah. and hometown enough team. Like definitely did that make it harder? Did you like, so did that make it even harder? Because like, if it was like, versus like, I don't know, the Browns or the dolphins where it's like, I'm like staying home. If that happens. Um, it didn't make it harder. Cause at that point I was kind of disconnected from the loyalty of a, of a favorite team, you know? Uh, you just got to, it's a business at that point. And I didn't care where I went. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get drafted and, and go start my career somewhere. So as your career goes on, do you also kind of follow Mike person's career since he was taken over? <laughs> I mean, we were, we were buddies. We, we spent okay. two, two camps together and like every time we play against each other, we say hello and everything. It's, I have no grudge against him. It's not his fault. It's, it's my fault. If anything. I didn't play well enough in college. Um, so that's, 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 that's how I look at it. What, what was your welcome to the NFL moment once, you know, you do end up signing a contract as a free agent and, and you do get to training camp? Like, was there a moment that, like, you're like, all right, this is real? Yeah, um, the first – so all of uh, – we didn't do any OTAs that year. So the first day of NFL, my, my NFL experience was day one of training camp. And, um, like day three, where you put your pads on and like my first play is I'm pulling around and I've got to, I gotta go block Patrick Willis and he just lights me up. And I was like, okay, this is, this is definitely not Fresno state. <laughs> Did he just like run you over or? No, like, it was just, he just, he just popped me pretty good. He didn't drop me, but it was, I definitely, he definitely made the play and he definitely made me look stupid. <laughs> so i mean like there are some guys who say that they don't have that moment for like weeks or, or like a month even you had it like play like day one or day that three. was my that was my first play of being of a team rep in full pads 
man, like, all right. Is, is there a point where you're just like, whew, all right, like I have to get a lot better or like, did you rebound from that pretty well, like right away or? Um, I mean, obviously uh, you always want to get better. I mean, yeah. that's like, I can never, I'm never, never satisfied with my play ever. But um, I mean, yeah, I just, I was wanted to make the team. I wanted to, wanted to be there and, and I wanted to be a 49er and all that stuff and ended up getting cut. So that was fun. You obviously mentioned getting cut and you, you've, you've talked about it a couple of times. Like you've bounced around a lot. Like what, what is life like as kind of an NFL nomad and, and a, for 10 days, Sacramento mountain lion nomad? Um, it, it's, it sucks really. Cause it's, you, you want some sort of security and the NFL has no security. Like I'm like almost envious of my, like, not, not now, but I was envious of my, my like friends that weren't football players and their jobs, how they, just get a steady paycheck they get their weekends off and they don't have to worry about getting fired or or being unemployed for half a year or whatever it is so it's kind of it, it definitely sucks to to um go through this journey and it's and it's and it's a and it's a lonely journey too because the only person that cares about you not the only person that cares but the only person that can do anything for you is you so it's not like you can you can call for help for somebody or do whatever it's, it's you're the one that has to do the workouts you're the one that has to go through all the all the the running and the and the weight training and the diets and everything nobody else could do it but but you how long did it take you to learn that um i've been i've been like that for a long time since i was even in high school i i was a very very self-sufficient child um just uh, being able to get myself off to school when I was in in third grade all by myself, I make yourself made myself breakfast and got to the school bus. Like so, I didn't miss so I didn't miss the bus for school all by myself when I was in third grade. Like I've been a, I've been a super resilient kid and and super resilient person for for as long as I can remember. So, like I know I, I hinted at it a little bit. You had a ten day stint in a now very defunct league in Sacramento, like that, which seems probably very far away from the NFL. What was yes. those, what were those 10 days like? Um, so I got a, I got a call from my uh, college quarterback who was the quarterback for the Mount Lions. And he basically begged me to go and play for this team. And it was after my, my rookie camp. And then I had been asked to play before and I was like, no, I don't want to. My agent told me not to. And I, I was just, you know what? I was like, I don't care. I might not never play football again. So I'm just going to go out there, have some fun, maybe make a little money and, and go play with my buddy. And that's what I did. And I didn't expect anything, anything like the NFL at all. Uh, I literally walked onto the field and I was the, the starting right tackle for the, for the next game. And it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, there was some good, there was some good talent in that league. Uh, just like there is, I mean, there, there needs to be some sort of developmental league for the NFL, like, like the XFL or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was fun. There was, um, it, it was another chance to play football. I got some film um, just, 
I got to play in Sacramento. So I like, they, they were like basically handing out tickets to the players. So I got like 40 tickets and all my friends and everything all came to the game and, and were supporting me. So that was cool. So do you remember that one game that you played who that it was against? Like what happened in that game? Um, I know I was two and zero against the, or I was two and zero for my two games, but okay. I know we played, I forget who we played. Um, at home it might have been the no it wasn't the Vegas team I, I'm not sure the team we played but I know we then we went to Omaha and played the Omaha Nighthawks and and won that game too so that, I think that was the last game ever right yep <laughs> but like you you kind of and yeah so like when you're after that game like do you figure okay like if this is it this is it or like you're like you know what I actually showed I can play for two weeks maybe this actually even though my agent didn't want me to do this actually might have helped no I, I don't I don't think it had any I don't think it had any um negative or positive um effect on my NFL career I just think I, I honestly don't think anybody even watched that film <laughs> well all right and then you you got you ended up in Baltimore like pretty soon after that right yeah a couple of weeks after that I had one I had one tryout in Atlanta that didn't didn't go or they didn't pick me up and then I had a tryout in Baltimore and then they 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 uh they signed me to the practice squad so uh, one more question about the the Sacramento Mountain Lions here because I covered the AAF last year and you started to hear stories from guys about like they're skipping back on this they said this and then that like what I would imagine that in your two weeks you saw some weird stuff that like people probably don't even like grasp when it comes to football yeah there's a my first day there we had practice and they put us up in a hotel and they said we got breakfast and lunch on us and then you gotta do dinner on your own and I said that's fine um so breakfast was just like the little continental breakfast down at the hotel lobby like which is fruit and whatever and then uh lunch we got back off the bus from lunch and the ops guy is standing there with a the cooler with with hot dogs in the in the cooler and I was just like this is not what it's supposed to be like. They put, yeah, they put two, two hot dogs in one bun. And they're like, there's, there's lunch for you. I, I mean, you're, you're a big guy. You have big guy teammates. Like, are you like, are they rationing you to like one each or like yeah, they, you have they gave us one, you can have one. So do you like yep. go get a second lunch then? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> was it like that for all 10 days of that or like at like was day two did they, did they cut back a lunch like no it was like it was something similar to that so it would have been like a little sandwich or like uh or like tacos or something like that but it wasn't anything substantial for for big guys after practice or or healthy for that matter exactly so i want to just end with a couple of uh a couple of kind of quicker questions and and more quick hitter type things who's the toughest matchup you've ever had um i'd have to say probably aaron donald he's he's a, definitely a um a different different breed of of human he uh um he's he's top he's top tier at, at everything with explosion speed quickness strength so it's just hard to match. Like usually like, okay, this guy's strong. You could take that away from him. Okay, this guy's fast. You can take that away from him. But when he has, when he's, when he's top tier at all, at all different aspects of the game, it's, it's hard to stop. 
How did you prep for him that week? Because that was two, what, two years ago? That was 18, 2018, right? Yeah. So like, how did you prep for him um, that week? <clears throat> um, just kind of like I normally do. I didn't, I didn't treat it any differently. I just know he's a good player. I played against good players before. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I just kind of, it's the season. You get in a routine and you, you prep the same way for everybody. You might, you might see a few moves here and there and you say, okay, I want to I stop these moves. But um, other than that, I just kind of prep everybody the same. So you prepped the same for him, even though you knew that like weakness wise, you're probably not seeing many. Yes, for sure. Do, do you realize do, like after the game, like, do you kind of sit there and be like, well, okay, I went against a probable hall of famer. Like, do you sit there and say that after, the, after a game like that? Or are you kind of, because obviously you guys didn't win that game. Like, or do you kind of, are you just pissed? Like, what's that like? Um, always pissed after a loss. Yeah. But, um, um, I don't know. I mean, I like to, I mean, shoot, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never really thought of it like that. I mean, maybe he's, he's, he's a great player for sure, but I've probably played it against 30 hall of famers so far, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's not like, um, I don't hold a, hit him on a pedestal to anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you had mentioned about 20 minutes ago or so now, like, you know, when you're in the gym, with Chuck Washington and some of the other guys and Tyler Bray, you talk some junk. Do you talk junk on the field? Are you a talker on the field or um, not? It depends on how the game is going. I do not like to talk if we are losing, but if we're winning and I'm playing well, then I'll talk. But other than that, I will, I'll keep my mouth shut. So what do you, when you talk, like, what do you say? Like, do you actually do research on your opponents? Uh, oh, no, I know that, no, no. Okay. I just, I just call them um, just – call them soft or whatever and tell them they're not good at football stuff like that <laughs> have you ever my go, my, my go my go-to is laughing at people when they like try to like beat me and i'm blocking them. i just laugh at them and they they don't like that have you ever gotten under under someone's skin so badly that like you saw that you were clearly affecting how they were playing um i don't know that's a that's a there's a lot. There's been a lot of games. I don't, not not that I remember. What's the best trash talk you've ever been on the receiving end of? Um, been on the receiving end of. Yeah. Um. Jared Audrick told me I should be a stripper because I have a big ass. <laughs> I mean, do you, when he says that, do you, do you laugh at that? Do oh, yeah. It, it's, it, that was funny. I thought that was great. <laughs> did, did he say that in a situation where, like, teammates or, like, could hear that? Like, do, like, five or six people just start cracking up? Or, like, when did yeah, that happen? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty funny. It was, like, in, like, a, a lull in the game. And he was like, hey, Wiggins. You should have been a stripper with that ass, bro. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then all my all the O line guys were just laughing at me. That did that end up turning into a nickname or anything for you? No. Okay. I wasn't sure if like that caught on at all, you know. And no, nothing, nothing, nothing come came from that. So all right, so flip that. What's the worst piece of trash talk you've ever heard? I I don't I, those I just brush off and, and okay. just 
I don't even remember. I wasn't sure if there was one that was like so bad. You're just like, are you kidding me? No, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even tell you. What when the electric thing happened? Was that early in your career? Was that when was that? Um, I think it was maybe fifteen or sixteen. Okay, so it was like mid career. So yeah. like you you had had some games at that point. Like yeah. So it wasn't like right away and you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be this for, you know, do most guys, do most defensive linemen talk or is No, that- not really. When you get to, when you get to, when you get to this level, like a lot of guys are just trying to do their job as best as they can and they don't care about anybody else. Right. Does it make it more fun then when a guy like will talk or will engage? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't. I could I could take it or leave it. Yeah. I, I mean I don't I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> so if you could say and I think I know the answer to this, but we'll end on this. If you could sum up your career and, and like would want to sum it up for people who'd be listening to this, how would you do it? What would you tell them? Um I don't know. Um that's that's tough. Not over. How about that? That that works perfectly. Hey, Kenny, thank you for coming on the Michael Rothstein Show. I really appreciate having you on as a guest, and uh, we'll be in touch soon for sure. And uh, good luck in free agency if you are still a free agent in uh, five days. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank Kenny for coming on the show. And before we go, one quick question from a reader, Gary Granvist, who's at SandersGary20 asked, why wouldn't Detroit be in the business of a deal like the Calais Campbell to the Ravens for a fifth-round pick deal that came off on Sunday? Well, Gary, it's reasonable, but there's a couple of things here. Campbell is going to want a new contract from Baltimore, and at age 33, I just don't see that making a ton of sense for Detroit right now, especially since Campbell is making $15, 15, sorry, not $15, $15 million this year. That would have been very expensive for Detroit, a team that's already paying over $16 million against the cap this year for Trey Flowers, who is younger and the player that the Lions are both fully invested in and building around. So from a financial standpoint, it just wouldn't make a ton of sense to put that much capital into two players as much as edge rushers are great and Calais Campbell is a fantastic player. The Lions have other holes they need to fill with that kind of money. We'll see if they do it or not over the next week or so. So to me, that's why Calais Campbell wasn't a fit for that type of deal. And one other thing with that, too, the Lions need to kind of stockpile more picks at this point. They feel like they need more draft picks than what they have. So trading away a pick for a player that you know you're maybe only going to get one, maybe two years out of, maybe three, is... I think a little bit tough to do if you're the Lions. For other teams, teams that are maybe one player away, it makes a ton of sense. But I don't think anyone at this point thinks that the Lions are one player away. With that, thanks again to my guest, Kenny Wiggins, for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter, at KennyWiggins60, and on Instagram, at WigDaddy60. You can see a bunch of his Mr. Mediocre woodworking there as well. 
Also, check out my story about Kenny Wiggins on ESPN.com. There's some really cool photos in that story, too. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Give us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's about to be a busy week in the NFL. We'll chat with you tomorrow.